This is Dan Fleisch, and this is the first podcast for Chapter 4 of A Student's Guide to Maxwell's Equations. Subject of this one is the Ampere-Maxwell Law, and the relevant section of the text begins on page 83. The first paragraph of this chapter simply reminds you that it was in Denmark that Hans Christian Orsted first noticed that an electric current running through a wire was capable of deflecting a compass needle. Very shortly thereafter, André-Marie Ampère in France began quantifying that relationship between the current and the strength and direction of the magnetic field. And by the time James Clark Maxwell came along and began working in this field 30-some years later, Ampere's law was well known. It was also known, however, that Ampere's law worked very well in situations of constant current, but developed some inconsistencies in cases involving changing current. It was Maxwell, of course, who added a term to Ampere's law, thus making it the Ampere-Maxwell law, and that term not only extended the applicability of Ampere's law to situations involving changing currents, much more importantly, it served as the basis for the electromagnetic theory of light, as we'll see in the next chapter. The integral form of the Ampere-Maxwell law is written at the bottom of page 83. There you see that the left side is an integral over a closed path of b dot dl. And on the right side, it's a constant of proportionality, mu naught, times two terms, the first of which is the enclosed current, and the second one involves the permittivity of free space and a time derivative of the integral of e dot nda, which I hope you recognize as the time derivative of the electric flux over a surface S. The left side of the equation should also look somewhat familiar to you if you've been tracking the developments in the previous chapter about the circulation of a vector field, because the left side of this equation is simply the circulation of the magnetic field B around path C. That's what the closed path integral of B dot dl means, the circulation of the magnetic field around path C. By the way, the connection between the left and the right side is that that path C determines which currents are enclosed in the I sub ENC on the right side of the equation, and path C is any edge or boundary for the surface S over which we're taking the time derivative of the electric flux. Don't worry if you're a little fuzzy on the meaning of the circulation of the magnetic field or which currents to enclose in I sub ENC or why that second term on the right-hand side is called the displacement current. All of that is going to be explained in this chapter, and there will be some examples for you to use your knowledge of these laws. For now, just make sure you get the main idea of the Ampere-Maxwell law, which is in a box on page 84, and which says that a circulating magnetic field can be produced either by an electric current or by a changing electric flux. In other words, if you make a path of any size and shape in some region of space, and if any electric current is enclosed by that path, or if there's a changing electric flux through any surface for which this path is a boundary, a magnetic field will be produced that circulates back on itself along that path. And as it says in the middle of page 84, that path can be real or it can be purely imaginary. There does not have to be any physical material to make that path. The bottom of page 84, there's an expanded view of the Ampere-Maxwell law. There you see the integral over C with the circle around it telling you that it's a path integral over a closed path. B wearing its vector hat means it's the vector magnetic field in Tesla's. 
dot tells you to find the component of B along the path segment DL. And on the right side, there's mu-naught, the magnetic permeability of free space. I enclose the electric conduction current, that is the enclosed physical current in amperes. Epsilon-naught, the electric permittivity of free space. DDT, just the time rate of change. And the integral over a surface S of E dot N hat DA, that's just the electric flux over surface S. What good is this law? Well, you can certainly use it to find the circulation of the magnetic field if you know the enclosed current and the changing magnetic flux through a surface. But in some very specialized situations, we're actually going to be able to use this law to find the magnetic field. Just as we could use Gauss's law to find the electric field in certain highly symmetric situations, so too in this case, we can actually extract B, the magnetic field, from the dot product and from the closed path integral to determine the magnetic field. Now, you may recall that in the case of Gauss's law, we had to be able to construct a special Gaussian surface in order to determine the electric field. So, too, in this case, we have to be able to make a special Amperian loop in order to determine the magnetic field from this law. But in some situations, which are described in this chapter, that's exactly what you'll be able to do.